You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The 2023 class is the ever-so-important bump class, and there's plenty of in-state talent to fill it. We'll talk about it right here on Gators Breakdown. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me tonight, co-host Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his site, readandreaction.com. On that site today. You can read Will's feature on Anthony Richardson, uh, the hope for Anthony Richardson to become one of, uh, you know, an elite quarterback out there. We'll get into that uh, later on this episode. But, Will, man, good work on that one. Uh, but, man, 2023 class, signing day a couple weeks ago, about a year away from this class, plenty to get into right there. Well, it's not as though we're going to talk about basketball tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> Gators down to Texas a and by 12 right now as we're talking. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they can turn that around because, uh, you know, I, I I don't know about you, but talking about the 2023 recruiting class is more fun than, than arguing about Mike White. So, uh, so we'll get into it tonight. And quite honestly, I mean, we've always talked about the bump class being important for Billy Napier. And we talked about it in 2019 being important for, for Dan Mullen. But beyond that, just sort of the quality of guys in the state of Florida really makes this a make-or-break year for Napier from a numbers perspective just because of who, who else is going to be there. I know we're going to get into it, but um, it really is a unique year in the state of Florida. And, and so I think things set up for Napier to really have a big year if he can bring everything home. Yeah, so plenty to get into. We will go position by position here, looking at some of the top targets for the Gators and also just to focus on the state of Florida a bit as uh, well. So if you're watching that YouTube version, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It really, really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. So, all right, plenty to get into right here. We'll start with a focus on the state of Florida and big thanks to uh, Gators Breakdown Plus member Sorax. He had put uh, these charts together on the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. 
Uh, so we kind of reformatted him here to go, you know, match the look of the show there. But he did all the work there, so a big old shout out to him there. But take, taking a look at the top 350 players in this uh, in the 24/7 Sports composite, no surprise there. The state of Florida leads the way, like it always does. Will eight five stars, 56 four stars, one three star in the top 350 players in the nation. Texas right behind with five five stars. 45 four stars and three three stars. The state of Georgia coming in at third with three five stars, 30 four stars, and one three star. Will, I mean, it's kind of shifted, man. Look, I mean, Georgia now above the state of California when you start looking at, you know, top end talent here. California fourth, four five stars, 19 four stars, no three stars in the top 350. And the state of Alabama. Rounds out the top five here, five five stars, 14 four stars, and no three stars in the top 350 players in the country. We all know surprise the state of Florida is at the top. Some surprises maybe further down here, but very opportune class here for Billy Napier to take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Florida's always up there when it comes to the the talent in the state. Texas always up there. I think what this really suggests is exactly what we've sort of seen. The Southeast Conference has taken over college football, but one of the reasons why they've been able to take over college football is because the Southeast really generates a lion's share of all of the top-tier recruits. And so, you know, you as a coach, you try to draw that circle. We talk about it all the time, right? The circle around the program and you try to bring in everybody, sort of suck them in like a vacuum cleaner into your program. And you sort of widen that circle more and more and more as you get more and more inroads into the different local high schools. But the reality is, is because of where Florida sits here, you could really have an all Florida recruiting class mm-hmm. and be very, very satisfied with how that class turns out. Assuming that you get those guys in the first and the second column as part of your 25, uh, 25-man roster. And Florida can actually sign more than 25 this year, right? Because they had 18. And depending upon who transfers out and depending upon who they replace with the transfers, you know, they're going to have – conceivably, they could probably have an extra, you know, six or seven initial counters next year, which means a class like Texas A&M where you just keep adding those elite prospects (laughs) both on early signing day and then on national signing day because you can sign, you know, 28, 29, 30 players. Yeah, um – well, and the very interesting, the state of Alabama, too. We'll get into that state in just a second, starting at quarterback position. But, man, just looking at the state of Alabama, but also, you know, bringing up Florida's recent success there, especially at the linebacker position, uh, getting Shamar James, getting Scooby Williams, uh, Mamou Diabate a few years ago, but also some playmakers in the Michael P. Ryan and Kadarius Tony in recent years. I mean, the state of Alabama, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise if we just look at what Florida's brought from that uh, that state, put on their roster, had some success with their – uh, but, you know, most people, I think, would maybe think – and Louisiana was, I believe, the sixth most uh, – what was the next state there as far as top 350 players. Uh, but if somebody had just asked you on the street, all right, Louisiana or Alabama, people would probably lean Louisiana right here, uh, but the state of Alabama right there, where Florida has, as I mentioned, gotten a lot of talent that has produced on the field for Florida, rounding out the top five there. 
Yeah, it's interesting when you start looking at the actual distances between some of the towns in Alabama and Gainesville. In in many respects, it's actually closer than some of the hotbeds in <laughs> yeah. Georgia for college football. Because you know, for Georgia, you end up going up near Atlanta or near Athens, and once you get that up there, you're talking a you know, four or five hour drive away from Gainesville. It's it's not as far to get into those sort of southern areas of Alabama and, and get some of those guys. So you know, obviously, Alabama is going to dominate that state as long as Nick Saban's there when it comes to recruiting. But like you mentioned, Florida's been able to find its way and make inroads at some of those high schools in in southern Alabama specifically bringing in a guy like Kadarius Tony who you know was a quarterback in high school and showed some skill those are the kind of sort of projects that you don't really need if you're in Alabama not to say that they wouldn't have liked Kadarius Tony was when he was a senior but you know are they going to be patient enough for the 3 years before that or is or is a guy like Tony going to transfer out and i think that's one of the things that you sort of sort of see now with the transfer portal, it does tend to color, I think, in some capacity, the guys you want to bring in. Like, you wouldn't want to bring in two high, high-level quarterbacks and have them compete because then you're really wasting a roster spot at that point because one of them is going to transfer out. And you think about Ohio State a few years ago when they had Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow. Haskins wins the job. Burrow transfers out because Haskins is in his way. And it's funny because if he'd have waited at Ohio State, he probably would have gotten to play the next year. But the transferring allowed him to get two years under his belt, and there was a huge jump from the 2018 year to the 2019 year, and that experience really makes a difference. So, um so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's not a huge – it shouldn't be a huge surprise. I don't think that Alabama is a is a fantastic hotbed for college, for high school football. Um, you know, everywhere you take it seriously, that's where you're going to get um, elite prospects. And, you know, you think about Florida, some of those stars you've got listed there are guys who are at IMG mm-hmm. or those sorts of schools where they aren't necessarily from Bradenton, but they end up in Bradenton to play high school football. And and so the way sort of the complex of college football has been set up does facilitate having players in the Southeast because that's where you're going to play the best players, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're a high school in the state of Florida, how often can you go over to California to play a team versus if you just have to go to Texas or Georgia or Alabama, it's a lot easier trip. And so I think these things probably start to build up in pockets. And considering the quality of college football, it does tend to, uh, you know, whether it's the high schools come first and then the quality of the college or whether the quality of the college sort of breeds down into the high school quality, I'm not necessarily sure. But there, there's a lot of really, really good coaching at the high school level in Florida, in Texas, in Georgia, and, and in California and Alabama as well. And I think that sort of breeds not only the, uh, you know, you get obviously high-quality athletes, but they know how to play football. They're not necessarily – they're guys who can step in day one and play as opposed to having to wait, you know, two, three years to develop. All right, well, let's take a look right here at the state of Florida before we get into position-by-position position breakdown of some of the top targets out there for the Gators. Five stars, three total at the wide receiver position, two at edge rusher, one cornerback, one offensive tackle, one running back. There's your five stars and how it breaks out there. If you're watching the YouTube version, of course, you get all these in a little nice graphic form. Four stars. That linebacker, 10 four-stars in the state of Florida there at the linebacker position, a you know position Florida's loaded out uh, as far as recruiting rankings go. Uh, when you look at that, it's what we look, you know, took a look at last week. But 10 four-stars in the state of Florida, 10 wide receivers in the state of Florida, seven in the top 350 players in the country. Uh, running back, six, of course, we you know we'll hit on that position uh, really good here. Safeties, six uh, four-stars in the state of Florida, followed by edge rusher with five, cornerback four, four stars, 
interior offensive linemen, three, four stars. Athletes, two of offensive tackles, two, and one tight end. Then three-star, one safety right there in the top 350 players in the country. So, Will, before we get into specific players, specific positions here, anything uh, catch your eye about the overall a number of positions and, you know, where they are at uh, as far as star ranking goes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really good news again for Florida, right? It's not just that these are Florida guys, but they're actually really kind of centered around areas of need. If you think about where Florida sort of is right now from a roster perspective, I mean, the obvious place is wide receiver. I mean, Florida only has eight scholarship receivers on the team. They've had guys like, uh, like Tony Livingston and Arliss Boardingham both commit, um, you know, Livingston for early signing day, Boardingham just a week or two ago. And those guys are sort of large. I mean, some, and they have some speed and athletic ability, but they're not necessarily natural wide receivers. But you do wonder whether, because there's only eight scholarship guys at the wide receiver position, whether they're going to have to put those guys out there and, and really rely on them in a way that they wouldn't if they had, you know, nine, 10, 11 guys on scholarship. And then the other place is really both that edge rusher and linebacker. And, and depending upon the linebacker, that can kind of be the same, the right. same position. But we'll, we'll get into that too. That was a, I had a tricky part there trying to place a player, uh, edge rusher or linebacker. So we'll get into that. <laughs> but, but I mean, here's the thing, right? So Brenton Cox had eight sacks last year. Out of all the guys coming back, Gervon Dexter leads the team with two and a half. You had Antoine Powell with one and a half, Prince Lee Human Milan with one. Um, Dante Zanders, Lloyd Summerall, and Justice Boone had a half a sack each. That's it from the right. returning linebackers, defensive ends, and defensive tackles. There, there just is not much proven commodity when it comes to pass rush. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you're bringing in a guy like Shamar James. You expect him to be able to contribute when it comes to pass rush. You're bringing in guys like, uh, you know, you're bringing in, uh, uh, oh, shoot. Hold on, I got to hear. You're bringing Shamar James, you're bringing in Jack Pryburn, you're bringing in Andrew Savanea, you're bringing in Jamari Lyons and Chris McClellan. But if you're relying on true freshmen to generate pass mm-hmm. rush, like that, that's an issue, right? I mean, you, you hope that guys are going to be able to step up and really, and really, you know, take a step forward, but we haven't seen that yet. And so if I start thinking about where the areas of need are for the Gators, um, you know, wide receiver, edge, linebacker, those are areas that I think they're going to need to beef up. And so the good news is, is that, you know, there are seven edge rushers and probably the top 300 guys, and, you know, they're all in the state. And you start thinking about where they are. It's not just that they're in the state. It's not like they're all in Miami. Like, there's a lot of guys who are pretty yeah. close to where Florida is. And, uh, you know, we'll certainly get into that. But it's, it's always exciting when, you know, you don't have to go to California to get Chris Steele in your bump class, you can just go right down the road and find a guy who's a hundred miles away <laughs> at quarter. I mean, you know, Kamari Kormani McLean is from Lakeland. Yeah. So, you know, you bring, a, bring the number three ranked overall player in the country is in Lakeland. Um, you ought to be able to visit. You ought to be able to give him the attention he deserves. And quite honestly, if you're going to be successful, you got to bring a guy like that to Gainesville. Yeah. There's a lot of storylines we'll get into coming up here with some specific players, you know, being in the state of Florida, it's loaded there. You have an advantage getting these guys on campus for as many unofficial visits as you can get them on. <laughs> so, you know, you take advantage uh, when you can right there. So, Will, before we get into it, of course, there is one committed player for the 2023 class uh, that we have out there. Aaron Gates uh, committed four-star athlete, 24-7 sports composite, and a four-star on the own three consensus from the state of Georgia. Uh, 24-7 offered this uh, analysis of him. No verified measurements. Appears to possess ideal size for his position. Two-way player. Flashes good athleticism on both sides of the ball. 
zone corner that displays good ball skills and production, has instincts at the position, shows the ability to find and play the ball consistently in the air, appears to have above-average play speed, transitions in and out of breaks quickly, instinctual in the short to intermediate part of the field. Willing tackler at the point of attack will add value to special teams, could ultimately project to the safety position depending on speed and man-to-man coverage ability. So there's your one commit so far uh, for the 2023 class. And now let's get to building the rest of the class out, Will. We'll start at the quarterback position. Arch Manning, Chris Vizina, Marcus Stokes here. Of course, Arch Manning knows, I mean, of course, number one player out there, number one quarterback out there in the country from New Orleans, Louisiana, five-star, of course, the ties to Eli, the ties to Peyton. He's the nephew of those uh, two guys. So, uh, of course, uh, Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Texas in the mix. Florida's trying to come become that fifth school to get here into the mix, to get an official visit, 6'4", 215, uh, those four schools in the mix. Hopefully Florida can get in there. Uh, Stan Spiegelman of On3 uh, says Billy Napier and his staff seem primed to make a strong push for Manning. His offensive-minded coaching style has been well-received by Manning, and there are Louisiana ties on the staff with Jabbar Jaluk and Corey Raymond. Napier, of course, has paid a visit to New Orleans to visit Manning's high school last month. Uh, so Manning's going to take his time. He's going to take all these visits. Not going to be in any rush. Uh, but will you know? D- hopefully, <laughs> the way it's sounding right now, Florida can be that fifteen to get into the mix here. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Manning's the the crown jewel of the class, right? You you bring in the number one guy in the country, and and you've really done some work. There's some catching up to do, right? I mean, that at the end of the day, Arch Manning is somebody who you figure is going to have. And is going to have eyes on Tennessee, going to have eyes on Old Miss, and then some of these other programs that you already mentioned would have an advantage. And you do wonder, you know, it's hard when you grow up, especially if you're the number one overall recruit. You grow up, you're probably rooting against certain teams, and I would suspect that the Manning family does not have a lot of love for the University of Florida. Um, <laughs> but how ironic would it be if he came to Florida and just drilled Tennessee four straight times while he was starting? <laughs> that, that'd be pretty awesome. So you know, and hopefully, I, we play I, Ole Miss in that stretch right there too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean. I think one of the one of the interesting things about Peyton Manning was when he went to Tennessee, it sort of became okay for the Mannings to blaze their own path. And I know Eli went to Ole Miss, but and perhaps that sort of you know eased some of the tensions that were with that were with Archie and uh, and, and Peyton there at Tennessee. But you know the Mannings at this point are SEC royalty, not just Tennessee royalty and not just Ole Miss royalty. And certainly Florida likes making fun of them. You know, the, the can't spell citrus without UT and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and Peyton Manning going to become the Citrus Bowl MVP and those sorts of things. But, um, you know, it's all in good fun because he was one of the best players that Florida played against in that entire era. And the fact that Florida was good enough to be able to to take that rivalry by the by the, by the the lapels and make sure that Tennessee wasn't able to win anything until after Peyton Manning left means something. And so, you know, bringing a Manning into the SEC again, I think, is a big deal. I'd be disappointed if he went somewhere outside of the SEC. And Florida gives him that opportunity, certainly. And, and uh, you know, that that's the kind of stamp that if you're Billy Napier, you bring in the number one recruit in the country, a guy who's been recruited by these guys for, you know, two or three, maybe even four years at this point, and you come in, and it's not like he had any real pull 
when he was at Louisiana, Arch Manning was not going to be playing for the Raging Cajuns. And so, you know, the, the relationship has to build from now. And so if, if, if Napier can turn this to a point where he has the trust of the Manning family to bring somebody like Arch to Gainesville, then I think that says a lot about the ability to build relationships quickly, the ability to sell the process that Napier is selling. And really, you know, that, that's a shot across the bow to Nick Saban. It's a shot across the bow to Kirby Smart. And really, it's a shot across the bow to all of college football. If a guy like Arch Manning decides to come to Florida. All right, we'll move forward here. Chris Vizina, you know, Arch Manning, as we said, that's going to be a tough pull, but if Florida can get that last visit, you know, you, of course you hope uh, that that would pay dividends there uh, in the end. But uh, got a lot of work to make up, got a lot of ground to make up uh, from those schools there. But Chris Vizina, uh, four-star, 6'3", around 200 pounds, eight best quarterback in the class, 84th player overall, led his team to a 10-2 and record in 2021, completed, here you go, Will, 134 of 169 passes for 68.3 percent per uh, completion percentage for 2065 yards, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, rushed for 600 yards as well, 16 touchdowns. He is going to visit Florida next month. He visited Florida for the Alabama game. I love the crowd, love the, of course, the atmosphere Florida was able to, to have there. So, of course, from Birmingham, Alabama. So uh, you can pull the him out of the state of Alabama. That would uh, send. But Clemson uh, be the school to watch out for here. Uh, but, you know, has the frame, uh, 24-7 says, add some additional weight at the, in, at the next level. Displays good athleticism in the pocket. Above average mobility as a runner. Appears to have a loose, compact throwing motion. Shows the ability to get the ball out from a variety of angles. Exhibits good foot quickness and the ability to reset his feet in the pocket. Has a tendency to play rushed at times in the pocket, but flashes good play tempo and ability to extend plays with his feet. The third guy I put out there, Will, he's uh, starting to come on uh, just a bit. Uh, Marcus Stokes from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Played at Nice as former quarterback Tim Tebow did as well. Um, not a 24-7 sports composite ranking, but he does have a 24-7 ranking. He is a four-star on 24-7, so it probably won't be long before the other recruiting uh, services catch up as well. 24-7 sports has him the 14th overall quarterback uh, in the country. So being here locally in the Jacksonville area, I reached out to my News for Jacks colleague, Justin Barney, lead source for you know for high school football here in town. Uh, and he sees Stokes as a big riser this coming year, saying, quote, he needs to put on some weight, but he is really good. So 6'2", 185 is what he comes in uh, right now. 13 games, completed close to 60% of his passes for 2,672 yards and 22 touchdowns. Also totaled a team high 496 yards rushing, six more scores on the ground as well. So – and that's in Florida's second highest classification. So recently received an offer from Penn State after a visit. Uh, so with the state lacking top quarterback talent, Stokes is one to keep an eye on, Will. Uh, if you don't hit on some of these other targets, communication has started between Napier and the staff and Stokes. He sent a workout video uh, to the staff that the staff, you know, of course, hasn't got the scene, hasn't, doesn't really know him all that well, but he has sent that video in. Staff is interested. Communication is ramped up. So, well, I mean, right now, looking at it about a year away from signing day, those are about the only three quarterbacks I think you can peg on the board right now. 
Yeah, but I mean, again, I think you look at Stokes, somebody from Ponte Vedra Beach, um, you know, pretty close, right? I mean, that's that's a place where if you're going to draw a circle around the state, you got to make sure that you bring Stokes in if you're if you're going to miss on the first two. Vizina seems to have an awful lot of interest, and the interesting thing is, you know, you look at the twenty four seven scouting report; they've got him as like a second or third round projection. That's probably what you would have thought of. Like the the thing I think of when I sort of listen to the way that they describe him is Jake Fromm with maybe a little bit more oomph on the ball. Um, and that's sort of where he ranks right now, you know, 63rd nationally, a high four star. That's kind of where Fromm's at. Um, and then obviously Manning, we already talked about. So uh, I don't know. The thing about quarterback is that you only need one, right? You don't, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good to bring in two or three guys in a class. A quarterback, you want to get one every cycle. And so, you know, this is, this is, I, I think you'd look at it and say it's an effective signing day if you bring in a guy like Stokes. I think you'd say it's a real win if you bring in a guy like Vizina. And I think it's a program changer if you bring in Manning. And so that's sort of the tears there. And, and you know, we'll see what happens as, as things develop. You know, the thing you hope is that you don't scare off Vizina and Stokes while, while Manning sort of contemplates right. and then goes someplace else and you end up missing. But, you know, the, the reality is, is that the way the transfer portal works, um, you know, we look at quarterbacks, I think, a little bit differently when it comes to the transfer portal. And I'm still trying to get my head around what that really means because, you know, a guy like Caleb Williams plays really well at Oklahoma and then transfers to USC. Obviously, there's a coaching change. But, you know, and Spencer Rattler transfers too. It ends up at South Carolina. And so there are going to be guys out there who are good if you happen to miss. And so maybe what that means is that you take the shot at the moon and you go after guys like Manning and Vizina, even if Stokes is somebody who might choose someplace else if you spend resources there just because of who you might be able to get the transfer portal later. Good point. Good point there, Will. So there's you look at quarterbacks right there. Like we said, kind of a lack of top-end talent in state. Will, one position where there's not a lot of lack of top-end talent in the state is running back. It is loaded in the state of Florida right here. Four players in the top 106, so basically four of the top 100 players in the country are running backs in the state of Florida. Richard Young, Lehigh Acres, Florida, five-star. He's the 15th-ranked player in the country, number one running back in the country. Cedric Baxter Jr. in Orlando, four-star, 69th-ranked overall, fourth-ranked running back in the country. Sam Singleton, Orange Park, Florida, four-star, Ranks nationally 103rd, fifth-ranked running back in the country. Trayon Webb from Jacksonville, four-star, 106th-ranked nationally, sixth-ranked running back in the country. Will, man, I mean, it's, it's – just drive. Just drive two hours north, and you got Orange Park in Jacksonville right there. Drive two hours, hour and a half south, you got Orlando right there. Uh, as you And Richard Young, a little further away. But, you know, of course, yeah, yeah, you're going after him, but really, really loaded wheel here at the running back position in the state of Florida. Yeah, well, I have family down at Fort Myers area, so I'm going to have to get on them to start, uh, you know, <laughs> make sure that Richard Young knows that Gainesville is the place to be. But, uh, you know, look, sign them all, man. <laughs> I mean, after the dearth that we've had at running back, when it, you know, I'm, I, I got to say I am happy that Greg Knox is not recruiting these guys right now. Um but, you know, it, it's interesting. The, the conversation we had with Bill Sykes last week where we talked about the dearth of top 10 players at their position. I mean, if they sign two of these guys, they, that, they add to that total, you know, they double that total right away. <laughs> good point. I didn't even, well, you're not even connecting that dot there. Yeah, good point. 
I mean, they're all top 10 at their position, which I think is important, right? I mean, that that is a metric I hadn't really thought of very much until Bill started bringing that up, but I think it's an important metric. And certainly we saw how, you know, you showed a figure last week that sort of showed how the uh, the Urban Meyer era saw that thing build when it came to top 10 talent at, at positions and how it's sort of really, especially on offense, really sort of fallen off under Dan Mullen and Jim McElwain a little bit less so, but certainly under Dan Mullen. And so reinvigorating the talent level at the running back position or really the offensive positions overall is important. So um, Young's the difference maker here. I mean, he's somebody who's pretty coveted out of Southwest Florida. But the other thing is, is that running backs, I think, in general are pretty solid when you think about their abilities. Like I think it's hard to metric offensive tackles and interior yeah. offensive linemen and things like that, but you see it with a running back. Like it doesn't take very long to realize that Demarcus Bowman is a special player when you see him with the ball in his hands. And I think Young's the same way, but that also means that Baxter, Singleton, and Webb are likely rated pretty close to what they're going to end up at. And you know, you think about Trayon Webb at 106th. Um, that's kind of around where Jordan Scarlett was in terms of where his ranking is. So if you think about sort of what you would expect to get out of a guy at that level, that's kind of what you would expect. And I'll tell you what, Jordan Scarlett was a really good player when he was, <laughs> when he was on the field, um, you know, and obviously gets drafted by, by the Panthers in the NFL. So if, you, if you're getting NFL players as uh, on a regular basis, as you bring people in at the running back position, I think you're going to be pleased with what you end up at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, you and I were talking before we got him on here. Young, maybe a hard pull, maybe getting into the race a little bit too late right here, but still an in-state prospect. You go right after uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State in the battle uh, right there, but has a track background as well. 5'11", 200 pounds. He's the total package at running back. Uh, total 1,755 rushing yards while averaging nine yards a carry. Uh, has Young, Cedric Baxter, 69th ranked player, four running back, as we said, uh, right here. Visited Florida back in January. Uh, 24-7 Sports says a potential workhorse or a feature back. Uh, first one off the bus uh, was 6'1", 215-pound frame. Could eventually push 230 pounds uh, or more once in a college strength program. Played primarily safety and a little wide receiver before settling in at the running back position at one of Orlando's top programs. Produced right away as a junior, averaging just over eight and a half yards per carry while facing stiff competition week in and week out. As I said, come up here uh, in the Jacksonville part of the state, keep an eye on Fleming Island's Orange Park, Sam Singleton, 103rd ranked player in the country, 5'11", 180 pounds, 148 carries, 948 yards, nine rushing touchdowns, another nice combo of power and speed. Also getting in the mix and ramping up communication with Jacksonville's Trinity Christian, Trayon Webb, uh, really flashes when he can get outside. Will also uh, positive in his game. Always falling forward with kind of what we have said about Damian Pierce <laughs> as well. All a runner that was just always falling forward. So, Will man, just so much talent at running back in this state in this cycle. You should not have to leave the state to get one. <laughs> you know, Florida can get one or two of these guys. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You have to bring in top one hundred guys from Jacksonville. So at a bare minimum, Tran Webb needs to be a Gator unless you've got a better option, right? If, if, if you think that Richard Young is a better option, if you think Cedric Baxter is a better option, then okay. But you should not end up empty-handed at the end of the day at the running back position at, at these uh, 
you know, for, for, for this particular cycle. And you said something about young that I think is worth bringing up and, and that there's work to be done to convince him to go elsewhere. And Alabama is really the one that's sort of the leader of the clubhouse with him. But this sort of goes to the whole point of, of recruiting and relationships and all that sort of stuff is Napier should have a lot of work to do with all of these guys, because True. anybody who's a five-star recruit, people have known about for two or three years. And anybody in the state of Florida who's a five-star recruit wasn't necessarily on Billy Napier's radar yeah. until he became the head coach at Florida. And so I don't, I don't expect him to have significant relationships with these five-star guys from the state of Florida yet. So it's going to take some time to build those relationships. And you saw how quickly he could do that with Kamari Wilson. And so the hope is he's going to be able to do that with guys like Richard Young as well. And maybe he won't be able to do it just with Young. You know, maybe Young, it's too big of a pull. He's wanted to play for Saban for, since he was a little kid. I mean, the only thing he can remember is Alabama winning championships. And you look at the running back factory that is Alabama and you go, okay, well, if you play well at Alabama, you're going to the league. So um, I get why that has a pull. At the same time, the the playing time pull of Gainesville ought to be pretty significant, especially with a new regime where you know, hopefully you know that you're going to get to play if you're the best player, whether you're a freshman or, or a senior. And so, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done to pull guys like that to Gainesville, but that's sort of the point, right? Is that, um, you know, the, the sales job is getting these guys and, 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 escalating those relationships before early signing day so that you can get your fair share. And I don't think Florida is going to get everybody from the state of Florida, but just not going down that list and getting to like the 12th guy on the list before you go, Oh, look, there's a guy who committed to Florida. And there were six guys who committed to Alabama before that, like that, that, that can't happen. Right. So a couple of these guys that we've talked about already are probably going to end up playing for the tide or playing for Georgia or playing for Florida state or something like that. But a vast majority of them need to play for Florida. If Napier is really going to do it, we think he needs to, or if he's going to do what he needs to do in order to win consistently there in Gainesville. Absolutely. So we'll continue with skill players right here at the wide receiver position. Now, Brandon Ennis, the top of the board here, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, five-star, the nationally eighth ranked player, number one wide receiver in the country. Jalen Brown from Miami, another five-star, 33rd ranked player in the country, fifth ranked wide receiver. Hakeem Williams from Fort Lauderdale, four-star, 59th ranked player in the country, 11th best wide receiver. Raymond Cottrell, Milton, Florida, four-star, 90th overall, 13th ranked wide receiver. Tyler Williams from Lakeland, Florida, four-star, 257th best wide receiver in the country and coming in as the 32nd best wide receiver. So, Will, South Florida leads the way at the wide receiver position here. Brandon Ennis uh, from Fort Lauderdale, previously committed to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. Does he follow the, to go all the way across country, follows him to USC, uh, 6 you know, six foot, 190 pounds, one of the best uh, route runners to come out of high school. Uh, great speed, adjustments, very aggressive at going and getting the ball. He has a visit scheduled to Gainesville on March the 6th. Now, if you want some speed at wide receiver, Jalen Brown's your guy here. No one better in this class speed-wise. Five-star, 33rd player in the country. Uh, burner, uh, regional champion in track, was timed at 10.86 seconds in the 100-meter dash, 21.83 seconds in the 200-meter uh, in the state track meet and field series. True vertical threat can take the top off of a defense. That's what you're looking for at a playmaking position at wide receiver. That's the type of wide receiver Florida needs uh, to get on the field, wants to take visits in the fall on game days. So Florida has some time uh, to get in on this one. Hakeem Williams, 
Different from the first two, has some height to him, Will. 6'3", 195, caught 40 passes, 750 yards, 11 touchdowns, can go up and get the ball. Also use that size to create uh, some physical yards after the catch. Uh, not a lot of reported communication with Florida yet, but definitely worth keeping an eye on here. Raymond Cottrell, you, that name may sound familiar. Familiar. He was previously previously committed to Florida, flipped to Georgia on the same day. Uh, when he decommitted from Florida, 6'2", 203 pounds, thicker wide receiver, can create some separation. Ten games as a junior, 63 catches, 985 yards, eight touchdowns. Also, 55 carries for 311 yards, seven touchdowns. Also threw the ball a little bit as well um, uh, at the quarterback position. And then rounding out right here, top uh, or, you know, those top wide receivers right here. Tyler Williams only played wide, one season at wide receiver, transferred to Lakeland this past season, 6'3", 180 pounds, limited stats in eight games, 12 catches, 266 yards, 30 and a half yard per average, five touchdowns. So a lot of, you know, it was like potential is what they're uh, basing Tyler Williams on uh, here at the wide receiver position there. But, Will, I mean, you got to go down to South Florida, man, for those top two receivers. Yeah, it's interesting because they each give you something different. I mean, you mentioned Brown mm-hmm. being somebody who's a burner, and you read the profile for Ennis, and and that guy's a route runner, right? I mean, <laughs> they even say the profile that it, uh, they someone mistook, mistook him for a high school senior when he was an eighth <laughs> grader because of the polish that he had. And the suggestion then is, and I think this is true, is that there are different types of wide receivers and that Ennis is a guy who's a five-star because he's going to contribute right away and contribute at a high level. Brown is a five-star because he's going to give you the ability to take the top off of defense. And so those are two different types of players. So when you think about, you know, oh, well, you know, how many of these guys do we want to, do we want to go after? And do we want to bring these guys in? You know, there, there's a different thing. There's a different profile for an outside receiver versus a slot receiver versus a guy who's going to be your possession receiver and, and, get open even against double coverage and those sorts of things. And Williams, obviously, with his size, gives you the ability to do that a little bit as well. So, look, I I don't think you can go wrong with any of these guys, but it's the same general thing. You're going to have to go down to Miami, though, at this point and fight with Mario Cristobal for some of these guys. And so this is one of those things where if you think about the transition classes that Miami had versus the transition class that Florida had, um, Miami had less players, but the – rankings were higher for each of those players and i think um you know the jury's still out on whether that class because it was sort of built by manny diaz before whereas the class that billy napier built was sort of you know it was stripped down and then rebuilt in in napier's liking we'll see which one turns out best but this really does give us an opportunity to see napier's recruiting chops because if he can make inroads with a guy like ennis um then again, sort of like I said with Arch Manning earlier, you go, okay, this is really significant that you're going down to a place where, you know, Cristobal is known as a good recruiter and really mm-hmm. known as a very good recruiter. And so if you can pull somebody out for Lauderdale or out of Miami who should theoretically want to go play for Miami, I think that's a big deal. Now, the nice part is, is that Ennis had already been thinking about leaving the state. Right. So it's not as though he was sitting there eyeing Miami and, you know, Napier's trying to pull him away from Miami. It's, you know, he was, eyeing, I think he said he was eyeing Oklahoma. And so, you know, going to, going to USC versus going up to Gainesville um, or building new relationships out of state with either the Oklahoma staff or somebody else, you know, one of the things that I think you sort of are up against when you're a new when you're a new coach is you know the the players have been imagining themselves in that stadium in that uniform, imagining themselves with the staff, how it's going to be, you know, 
sort of the experience that they had on their official visit and all those sorts of things. And when there's a coaching change, all that stuff sort of goes out the window and you have some uncertainty. So in the case of the coaching change at Oklahoma, that really does provide an opportunity for Billy Napier to say, Hey, stay closer to home. And we'll, uh, you know, this place is a place where we're going to build something special and you can be a part of it. So I think it does help the sales job. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about Arch Manning and about Richard Young and how they have to make up a lot of ground. Not sure that there's a lot of ground to be made up in that particular situation just because, you know, the the ground was sort of shaken by the coaching changes that, that went on at Oklahoma. Yeah. All right. So that that will do it for skilled players. There's a tight end to look out for too, but we'll get into that later in the athlete category uh, when we come back around on that one. So, all right, Will, offensive line uh, looking right here. Look, biggest position in need as far as raising the talent level on this roster. So we'll start with Peyton Kirkland uh, right here, Orlando, Florida, four-star, comes in as a 200, uh, top 200 player. 16th ranked offensive tackle checks all the boxes you need to see from Florida uh, in this class, you know, high level player from the, from, from in state, every big program after him back in January, listed the top seven of Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio state, Georgia, Miami, Penn state, and Clemson wouldn't put too much stock in that right now with a year to go. Uh, but he did grow up in Chicago uh, before moving down to Orlando. So you can maybe kind of see where that Ohio State-Penn State connection comes in uh, just a bit. So maybe one to look out for there uh, as far as maybe leaving the state and going back up north. Clay Whedon uh, wants to commit before his senior season, one of the top interior offensive linemen out there from Tampa. He's a four-star, 237th-ranked player overall, the 12th-ranked interior offensive lineman, 6'6", 295 pounds, New staff made an impression on him early on with a visit. He's visited Bama and Auburn as well. In-state offensive line has visited Florida three times, Will, more than any other skill, uh, school. So that's where we start saying, all right, <laughs> location can pay off. He's visited Florida uh, a good bit there. Roderick Kearney from Orange Park, Florida, four-star, 313th-ranked player overall, the 19th-ranked interior offensive lineman. Recently named FSU as leader. He's high on Miami as well. So if Florida's going to be a player here, probably need to get in on him soon. And around that offensive lineman, Tommy Kinsler here, uh, 6'6", 330-pound offensive tackle, Will. Tommy Kinsler, one more time. 6'6", 330 pounds from Ocala, Florida, three-star. He's the 549th-ranked player in the country, the 83rd-ranked offensive tackle. He named Florida his leader. Short drive, so he's visited campus a lot. He loves the new staff. Rob Sell, Darnell Stapleton, and offensive line coaches as well. He's loved Florida even before the coaching change. So, well, this one right there with Kinsler, maybe just a, you know, just maybe just wait some time, and he might be a Gator at some point. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the size is enticing, right? The the other aspect that's enticing is that he's a tackle. And I think you can see that when you recruit tackles, oftentimes if you need to, you can shift them inside to guard. And when they shift inside to guard, then they become much more, um, I guess, coveted. The ability to move around, those sorts of things. And the athleticism that's required to play tackle, then it allows you to transition to guard. Can't necessarily do that on the interior offensive line. You're not usually going to see those guys shift out to tackle. Um, so you need to make sure that you hit when you, when you bring in a guy who's an interior offensive lineman. At the same time, you know all five of these guys you've got up on the screen right now, 
the furthest one away is 164 miles from Gainesville. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things where I think based on based on Bill's analysis from last week, you really need to bring in four offensive linemen in this cycle. And they're sitting there, right? You got five guys to choose from all within, you know, that radius that Florida really should dominate. You know, a guy from Ocala who you want should not get away. A guy from Rockledge who you want should not get away. A guy from Tampa who you want really shouldn't get away. Same thing with Orlando. Um, so, you know, the elite level offensive line in Florida, this is maybe the one place where you look at and say, hey, there aren't any like top 10 guys in the country at their position at these particular in this particular space. But offensive line is also a very difficult place to project. And, you know, Florida will have the opportunity to then go outside of the state and maybe pursue some guys, assuming that they feel comfortable that they can get two or three of these guys in relatively early. That'll give them the opportunity to chase a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's okay, right? To, to go chase a, a five-star or two who are far away, especially at a position of need or a position where you don't have that high-ranking elite guy in the state, I think makes some sense. What you don't want to be doing is chasing guys out into out into California because that's sort of your only hope at getting an elite guy. Um, and, and that's not what's going to end up happening here, I don't think, at offensive line. So certainly a lot of solid players here. I don't know that any of these guys are going to be stars. But, you know, the other thing is, is that Napier and Sale really have a a track record of being able to take three-star guys and turn them into guys who end up playing in the NFL. And so, you know, you can't teach size. So Ken Kinsler, you know, six six three sixty. You can't teach that. In fact, you might want to not teach it. You might want him to be six six three thirty five by the time he's actually playing. Um, but I don't think you're going to have to worry about his ability to to knock someone back off the ball. And it, it'll be great to have some guys who are ranked in that you know 100, 200, 300 range on the offensive line the whole way across because it's been a long time since Florida's had that. Yep. All right. Well, we got plenty more to get into on the defensive side of the ball, but what are we talking about here? We're talking about acquiring talent. Well, we know this is the talent acquisition business, name, image, and likeness will play a huge role in Florida returning to elite status in college football. Look, Coach Napier says Florida will be competitive in the NIO market, led by the Gator Collective. So you can do big things here as a fan. Commit to the Gator Collective for exclusive content and, and interaction from players. At the heart of it all, the Gator Collective unites fans with athletes. Big dollars are coming on board already, but need more to build this up for some sustain- for some sustainability. So, if your business is interested in becoming a partner or supporting Gator athletes, head to the head to the GatorCollective.com for more info. Business memberships can be tax deductible. The Gator Collective empowering athletes, investing in futures, and connecting fans. Well, before we move on to the defensive side and some of the targets there, let's talk about your latest at Read Reaction and the highlights of your article on Anthony Richardson and detailing, you know, maybe some expected growth you expect to see from the Gator Signal Caller. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, last year we were all clamoring for Richardson because we wanted to see what he could do. And then they put him in to start against Georgia and that sort of tamped things down a little bit. But I went back and I looked at the games where he played the most. So looked at LSU, looked at Georgia, um, and and really tried to pick apart what he was doing pre-snap, what he, the decisions he was making, and those sorts of things. And I got to be honest, I came away more excited about Anthony Richardson than I was sort of heading out of the season. Like it felt like he was overwhelmed with, uh, in the game against Georgia, and I think in some ways that's true. But I also think you could sort of see him learning on the job, and that that in my mind is sort of the thing that 
that really upset people the most about Dan Mullen is that, you know, that he threw Richardson out there to learn on the job against Georgia rather than preparing him throughout the year to be able to come in and take the job against Georgia when the opportunity presented itself. And, um, you know, I, I come away from looking at the film of both games. Yeah, LSU game, obviously, right? I mean, he was a spark, and the Florida offense was sort of sputtering in the first half. Richardson comes in after the pick six, and they can't be stopped until he throws the interception on the last play. But the reality is that interception that he threw, actually he threw it to the right guy. He just underthrew it because he was under pressure. Mm-hmm. And if his receiver had helped him a little bit or, you know, if the receiver had sort of stopped and come back, you might get a pass interference instead of an interception. And the guy was open. <laughs> so, so again, sort of reading where you're going with the defense, I did not see him thrown to double coverage a whole lot. In fact, the only time I saw him thrown to double coverage was in the defense completely tricked him with some sort of zone blitz that you wouldn't necessarily expect a redshirt freshman to be able to pick up. And then the other time that I saw him thrown to double coverage was when they had that weird double pass from Emory Jones back to him. And it was like a one man route. And he, it looked like he didn't really know what to do. It was like in practice, this was open. <laughs> now I don't know what to do because he's double coverage and he threw it double covered and he threw it in double coverage there. Other than that, it was a lot of, well, okay, that guy's in single coverage and he won the battle and Richardson puts the ball right on him. There were a few times where he threw it in the right direction and the ball hopped like he didn't get it there in time, particularly when he was throwing to the right side of the field, which is kind of weird. Usually usually you see quarterbacks, right-handed quarterbacks have trouble throwing to the left side of the field. They really got to get sort of their body out of the way in order to throw that direction. Richardson seems to already have that down. So I think there are a few mechanical adjustments he can make to be more effective going to the right-hand side of the field. And to be honest, I think it was such a small sample size that's hard to bring a lot of conclusions in it other than the in high school, he was really inaccurate his first three years, and then his accuracy jumped in his senior year. And so the question was always, was he going to be able to sustain that? Did his accuracy jump because he started getting better at reading defenses? Or did his accuracy just jump because, you know, he's playing against inferior talent? And I think after watching the film, the answer is his accuracy jumped because he's become pretty adept at reading defenses. He did some really subtle things against LSU. There's one play I highlighted down on the goal line where essentially he opened up a touchdown throw by where he kept his eyes when he got the snap. And that's something that doesn't require any physical ability. Like all it requires is being able to control your sort of nerves where you don't lock onto the guy that you know you're going to throw to right off the bat. And he was able to do that and it opened up the throw. Uh, so I, ca- I came away really encouraged in terms of what he's going to be able to do because there's no doubt that he has the arm strength to be a good quarterback. There's no doubt that he has the running ability to be really an elite running quarterback on the ground. And the question is going to be, can he read defenses and be accurate enough to really make the offense go. And I came away saying, you know, I don't think he's just going to be above average. I I think he's going to be special. And the question is going to be, can he stay healthy? That's obviously a big question, particularly with sort of the ins and outs of this past year and some of the injuries that he had in high school. But if he can stay healthy, I think he's, he's, he's at least got a really high, opportunity to be special but you know if somebody asked me to bet on it is is he going to be considered one of the best quarterbacks in the sec in the next two years i'd say absolutely i think that's you know one of the top two quarterbacks in the sec is certainly within reach and you know the heisman trophy odds in vegas for him are pretty are you know they're not all that enticing actually to bet on it because you're not really predicting anything that vegas hasn't already priced in to the to the price there like People understand that there's a significant upside, but that usually comes with all these caveats of, well, you know, he's going to have to do this or he's going to have to do that. And there's some of that with Richardson, but I got to be honest, I think if they played him all year last year, I, Dan Mullen's still the coach. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'd agree with you there. Uh, that was part of the frustration last year and 
part of the reason why he's not the head coach anymore, uh, the way it played out. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with you there. But really good work there. Everybody go to readreaction.com uh, or on YouTube, uh, Read and Reaction, uh, and Will will read it to you with the uh, soothing tones of the voice there uh, from Will Miles. But Will yeah, it's, Miles, not, I, it's not awkward at all, but people seem to like it, so I'll keep doing <laughs> it. Hey, I, I agree. Like I, I've seen all the comments that, hey, I don't have time to read it. This really, really helps that they can listen to it. So uh, you can uh, get it right there. But really good work from Will. Uh, coming up on Gators Breakdown, Will and I have kind of hashed out the upcoming schedule. So we'll talk about Napier's scheme, Tony's scheme the next couple of weeks, and then we'll get into a roster breakdown heading into spring practice. So uh, that's Anthony Richardson article Will put out there. It's kind of a precursor uh, to, to, to that coming up there. So good work, Will, uh, on that. And now let's get back into recruiting right here before we wrap up on Gators' breakdown on the defensive side. The ball, edge rusher, Florida's in good shape here from uh, in-state talent here as well. We'll start with linebacker slash edge rusher Malik Bryant. Five-star, 20th-ranked player in the country, second-ranked edge player five uh, from Orlando, 6'2", 235. Um, can already promising size there, 6'2", 235. Should only get bigger. Twitchy edge rusher uh, here. Uses quick first step and freeze offensive tackles. Has a well-timed spin move, 24-7 says. Uh, frequently leads to sacks. Fluid in his movement patterns and able to move laterally in space. Spent some time in the spring following freshman season playing linebacker on the camp circuit. Transferred into IMG as a sophomore. Instantly became one of the team's top players, totaling a pair of sacks against a talented Duncanville squad. He'll need to keep progressing, but early body of work suggests he's one of the top pass rushers in the class of 2023. Look, Will, simple. Five-star, in-state, you go get him. He's visited already. He's close with Kamari Wilson. Florida needs to get this one done. Um, So, I mean, right there, starting at the top, uh, you have Malik Bryant. And then Keon Keeley, um, perhaps a flip candidate. He's committed to Notre Dame, 6'5", 230 pounds, good athlete at the position, uh, 24-7 sports. Also, you know, highlight from what they had to say, uh, demonstrates above average get off the line of scrimmage, fluid player uh, that moves with some suddenness, shows the ability to bend the edge, active hands at the point of attack, can win with initial quickness or play strength. So, you look at there, committed to Notre Dame, as I said, but from Tampa, uh, a five-star. He's a 21st-ranked player in the country. He's a third-ranked edge rusher right there behind Malik Bryant. Will, a real, real, a, a real candidate to flip there uh, from Notre Dame. And the last edge rusher we have up here, Prince Will, Eumann Milan. Yes, if that last name sounds familiar, it, he is a brother of Princely, 6'4", 215. Huge junior season where he racked up 64 tackles or 25 tackles for loss and 13 sacks. He was named district co-defensive lineman of the year in Texas there. He's a four-star, 275th ranked player in the country, 24th edge rusher. Well, you'd like to get him, pair him up with his brother. But, man, you'd really, (laughs) first of all, we'd like to get the two guys from Florida right here. And Florida's in great shape for both Malik Bryant and Keon Keeley. Yeah, I'll I'll say what I said with the running back. Sign them all. Yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, you can't have too much talent when it comes to pass rush. Uh, you know, the types of things that Patrick Tony's going to want to do really are going to rely on guys who can do a bunch of different things. And so having athletes, having guys who are three down linebackers, guys who can put their arms in or who can put their hands in the ground and rush the passer, 
you know, guys who can set the edge, all those sorts of things, who have an elite ability to do all those different things are obviously a huge, huge asset on the field. The, the fact that Bryant seems to be leaning towards Florida anyway, I mean, you know, he, he sort of teased all of us a couple, what about a week ago by saying he was going to make an announcement right after his official visit to Florida. So everybody started getting excited, and then he announced he was going to an all-star game. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he got a, a lot of love from Florida fans when he did that on Twitter. And, and so certainly uh, – you know, the, the fact that Kamari Wilson's there and that they're close and then he can sort of, you know, understand what Napier's like once the once the lights really start to hit, I think is going to be obviously very, very helpful. Um, you mentioned Keeley committed to Notre Dame, you know, six foot five, two thirty. So, again, that's sort of, you know, he's listed as an edge rusher, has pass rush skills. The question is, do you have him grow into that or do you use the fact that he's got significant skill to sort of have him be a hybrid linebacker, defensive end type of player? Um you know, the, the the reality is, though, these guys both, you're fighting against Alabama. Nope. We'll hop out right there for a second. We'll get him back in here. It's been happening a lot lately, so I'll make sure uh, he gets back in, uh, in here. But, yeah, Ed Rusher, of course, starting at the state level. Bryant, Keeley, you mean Milan, there's Will back. Well, that's, that's the second time that's happened in the last few weeks. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I don't know. You took me out. You just stopped yeah. talking too long. So. Taking you out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, sign them all. That's 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 really all I have to say. Sign them all, and it, it's nice that if you're going to a state like Texas, that you already know Human Meal and you know his family, you know his yeah. brother, obviously. And so there's a there's a pull there that isn't just oh we're going to Texas for this four star guy. It's hey we've got a connection that makes it. Um, you know, that, that should make it easier, right? I mean, if, if Prince Lee Human Milan likes the Napier regime, likes what he's okay. doing, likes the process, then obviously Prince Will has a uh, front row seat and so should be bought in pretty quickly if, uh, if, if Florida is the right place for him. All right, Will, we'll keep it right here. We'll stay up front. True defensive lineman right here, another position where Florida is lacking top in talent and depth once again some top 100 talent most of it in state here but we start out of state right here Vic Burley Warner Robins Georgia five-star 32nd ranked player overall in the country fifth ranked defensive lineman 6'5 265 pounds 24-7 has uh, sports has this analysis Burley is a long linear lineman that has a good first step able to get his second step into the ground which allows him to explode on contact with the blocker and extend to play off the block. He uses good pad level at the point of attack when coming off the ball. It gives him leverage to also control the blocker once he punches them. He has strong hands, a powerful punch, which are two of his biggest attributes. Does a good job when he's angling or stunting into the gap, getting himself skinny, and then getting back square while steadily gaining gaining ground upfield. He has two-way snaps by playing tight end. That gives you more of a reference point of his overall athletic athletic ability uh will he has mentioned he wants to get down to gainesville to learn about the new staff he tells Corey bender uh from on three gators online that coach spencer is great and likes his energy says he's in no rush to shut down his recruitment clemson trending early uh right there uh so will norman uh gators offered back on january 27th uh played football for the first time will in 2020 65 290 uh, he's the 74th-ranked player in the country, the 10th-ranked defensive lineman. He is at IMG, but playing at IMG originally from New Jersey. That might come in handy, though, Will, as he has a previous connection with defensive line coach, Co-DC Sean Spencer, from when Sean Spencer was up 
in the Jersey area, coaching for the New York Giants. So there's a, a weird connection there when you look at seeing how this one could play out. He wants to make a decision before his senior season. A versatile option up front on the defense is Will Norman. Uh, Derek LeBlanc is a 83rd-ranked player in the country, 12th-ranked defensive lineman in the state of Florida, uh, coming from the state of Florida from Kissimmee. 6'4", He's visited plenty of times. Last visited unofficially in late January. Ohio State Notre Dame also in the mix. At that 6'4", 270 frame, Will can play multiple positions on the defensive line. The coaches have told him that uh, off these visits as uh, well. And then you get to Jordan Hall, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, looking at him. Jacksonville, one more time. I mean, you got to get it done, Will. I mean, so, I mean, granted, you like to have the higher ranked players um, uh, right here, uh, but that 286th ranked player, four star, 42nd ranked defensive lineman uh, there. So, 6'4, 300 pounds, visited back in January. Unofficial visit set for March the 3rd. He wants to visit again when the facilities are done in June. Uh, so, he was one of those ones, Will, not long ago that shared what the staff was saying was saying about the defense uh, and telling him about the defense. They say it's a three-down front, he told Blake Alderman, but it's really not. They have different mixtures and schemes that they are trying to run. Basically, they are building the defense from the outside in. They will have more of a three technique, a nose, and two ends. I feel like I can fit in well in that scheme because I can play three or the five or even the nose if you need me to all around – I say just the defense they run is very coordinated, a strict, and it's built from up front. Uh, the Gators are very high in Jordan Hall's recruitment there from Jacksonville. Uh, I skipped over John Walker. Shouldn't have uh, not there. I, had, I was trying to get that graphic down so everybody could see the last name there. Uh, but John Walker, if we want to start talking true defensive tackle here, Will, uh, 98th-ranked player, so a top 100 player, 16th-ranked defensive lineman, four-star, 6'3", 310", from Kissimmee, grew up a Florida fan. He's been in constant communication with the staff. He got to meet Tim Tebow on a recent visit. That blew his mind. So half the battle of the big boys here, Bama and Ohio State, they're involved as well. Uh, but he said he told uh, 24-7's Blake Alderman as well. He sat down with Coach Spencer. He's saying I could play the three or the two, uh, the two-eye, the one, the four-eye. He said I could be use me anywhere on the line because I'm quick and powerful and that I'm a good striker. They can play him in a lot of ways uh, there. So then one, just to update some recent news, a recent add to the list right here on the defensive line, Jamal Jarrett, Greensboro, North Carolina, three-star, 399th ranked player in the country, 45th defensive lineman, uh, already recently received an offer, he told uh, Corey Bender today from on three. Previous relationship with Gators inside linebacker coach Jay Bateman from Bateman's days at North Carolina, says they want him to be the big man in the middle, Will, 6'5", 309 pounds. Uh, just because of the coaching staff, he says Florida would be in his top schools, and he hopes to visit next month. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think Hall might actually be the the recruit I'm looking at the most here. I mean, you know, a guy who who loves the university. Walker sort of fits that profile too, but, but Hall's the guy from Jacksonville 
right? Who wants to be at Florida, who's built a relationship with these coaches already, who's come to campus, you know, multiple times, all that sort of stuff. And, and those are the, that's the place you need to lock down, right? I mean, cause Kissimmee is close. You need to lock that down too. I'm not underestimating that. Certainly if we signed LeBlanc and Walker and not Hall, I don't think I would say it's a bad thing. But I do think that from a perception perspective, making sure that Jacksonville is always Gator territory, if you want Gators is, or if you, if you want the guy there that you bring him in, I think that's important from a, uh, per, you know, from a just optics perspective. Obviously, Burley's the prize here. Um, you know, going into Georgia, it, it is interesting that he's got Clemson as his leader. In, in the clubhouse as opposed to Georgia, which is interesting. You'd figure that the Bulldogs would be – and certainly I'm sure he has an offer from Georgia, but at the same yeah, yeah. time, the fact that Clemson is the leader means that you're not fighting Kirby Smart for Vic Burley. You're fighting Dabo Swinney. And so you know that's who you're recruiting against, at least at this point in time, which does then suggest that you'll have an opportunity to make inroads um, with Burley specifically. So, again, I think this is a good – a good indication when you look at, you know, Warner Robbins is not far away from Gainesville. You're not asking him to go halfway across the country. I mean, you're asking him to go, you know, like 200 miles. So 244 miles from, uh, from Warner Robbins to Gainesville. So, you know, it's a four or five hour drive. Um, not, not bad at all. And so for a guy like Burley, that sort of fits within that circle where you'd want to recruit. And then certainly Bradenton, um, Kissimmee and Jacksonville all fit with that as well. So, um, you know, it's the same story in all of these, in all yeah. of these circumstances, right? It's, there's four or five guys who are sitting there right in Gaines, or right close to Gainesville, and, and Napier's going to have an opportunity to bring them home. He's going to have to start landing these guys. You have mentioned a couple of times in the last two figures you've thrown up there, guys who want to commit early. I actually do think that's going to be important over the next couple of months is sort of building that momentum. You know, Kamari Wilson was really an asset when it came to sort of closing that class or closing at least the early signing day mm-hmm. when it when it came to Florida. But part of the problem is, is that they only had him on board there in December, right? I mean, because you couldn't have had him on board before December because Napier wasn't there and he wasn't coming to Florida before that. Uh, bringing on guys like Kamari Wilson early on in the process so that they can then help recruit on these yeah. official visits. So it's not a bunch of guys wobbling or, or waffling between, well, I might go to Alabama, I might go to Florida, I might go to Clemson. No, it's I'm solid to Florida. I'm not taking my other official visits. Hey, come here and we'll all have a good time. And you can sort of see what it's going to be like. You'll know who your teammates are when you, when you come on those official visits. I think that's a, that's a significant portion of, of something that's really important. So, you know, the previous staff didn't necessarily push real hard for those early commitments. And I think that hurt them over the, over time as they were trying to land some of these guys. So a guy like Burley, a guy like LeBlanc, a guy like Keeley, um, you know, a guy like even, even, you know, Tran Webb, like bringing those guys in and having them sort of set the expectation of, yes, we're all solid. We're going to be here. We'll do this together. I think is an important part of this. And so that's been good to hear you say that these guys are all interested in making a decision before their senior seasons, because then those guys will have a, a, a runway to sort of recruit some of these other guys in. Uh, well, let's move to linebacker right quick. And now we did say, if you remember on Gators breakdown last week, the strongest position from a recruiting standpoint for Florida uh, so I threw Malik Bryant in there as well, uh, more of an edge rusher, but you know listed as a linebacker as well in some of the recruiting services. So I did throw him uh, back out there, but you know Rivals does have him as the number one outside linebacker in the country. So Malik Bryant kind of shuffles there between two positions. But Troy, Troy Bolt, Bolt uh, Boyles, man, Todd Boyles. 
man, I cannot get that word out. Todd Bowles. There we go. That's his dad. So 6-1-205 from Tampa, four-star, 42nd-ranked player in the country, fourth-ranked linebacker, brings size and quickness to the position, shows great linebacker instincts, aggressive, attacking, uh, does what you love to see linebackers do. That's Leda Wood. 103 tackles, 103 total tackles, 71 of them solo. And then Grayson Howard from here in Jacksonville as well, another four-star linebacker, 265th-ranked player in the country, 24th-ranked linebacker. Coaches have visited his school, uh, Andrew Jackson, here in Jacksonville. He's scheduling a visit next month to Florida, knows he's a high priority. He loved, he, he messaged me on Twitter. He loves the hire of Mike Peterson, at linebacker, uh, outside linebacker coach. Messaged me when that hire was made, raving about it. He likes the relationship with Bateman and Jamar Cheney as well. Florida sets up well here, but, Will, these stats, 157 tackles, 95 of them solo, three and a half sacks, two interceptions, six pass deflections, one forced fumble, a fumble recovery as well. I even said Florida academics will play a role here for the versatile linebacker. Florida's near the top right now. South Carolina is one to watch, but he's also coming off of visits of Georgia and Clemson. Yeah, I mean – I'm not sure you can go wrong with any of these guys, right? You no. got Bryant, we've already talked about. Bowles, I mean, you figure he's going to be just, you know, somebody in the film room who's going to be able to sort of tell the coaches what's going on based on <laughs> based on his father and based on his his sort of, you know, growing up with the game. And then and then Howard in Jacksonville again. I mean, that's one of those things where you start looking at these lists. We'll go back and talk about it, I think, at the end when we sort of summarize things. But um you know, the number of guys who are close to Gainesville is just ridiculous in this class. And so Howard is another one of those guys, you know, who's, who even when Florida has been down, has likely looked out of the corner of his eye, even if he was like, ah, I'm not going to go play for McElwain or ah, I'm not going to go play for Mullen, has sort of looked out of the corner of his eye and said, if Florida ever gets the right coach, that's a place I want to go because it's close to home, because I grew up watching them, all that sort of stuff. And so with Napier in charge, that's the hope, right, is that he's going to be able to convince those guys in the Jacksonville area in the Orlando area in the Tampa area that hey you don't have to go someplace else that when you grew up watching the orange and blue you see all the people with the flags and the and the hats and the shirts and all that stuff in the Tampa area in the Orlando area in the Jacksonville area that you can be a part of that and you can be a part of winning and you can be a part of NIL and all that sort of stuff as well and so it becomes a really compelling case um, you know assuming you got the right guy there at the helm I uh, will Moving on to the last one, this might even be the headliner. Uh, so, so we're not. I'm not saving the best for last. It's just the way going. I was going through the uh, the positions here, lining up the cornerback position. Look, if Florida wants to get back to DBU, they already have the coach. They already have Corey Raymond in the fold to get them back there. Now Florida needs some of those players again uh, that you can count on right there. The state is loaded, but you might go out of state as well. But we'll start in state. Kamani McLean from Lakeland, five star. Number three ranked player in the country. Number one cornerback in the country. His head coach, Keith Barrafield, was an assistant under Napier at Louisiana. So you got that connection. You got the Polk County connection, the coach connection all together, the top cornerback in the country. I mean, this is what you went and got Corey Raymond for to win these kind of battles here, land these type of kids. Won't be easy. Every big school is after McLean, of course. But, you know, 24-7 offers this scouting report to him. Looks to part with long arms, long legs, two-way athlete with elite ball skills that has produced as a wide receiver as well, but projects as a cornerback at the next level given how he moves and changes directions. 
smooth in the back pedal for someone that initially started high school career off playing mostly offense. Kamani McLean right there, top cornerback in the state of Florida. This one you have to go get, one you have to go win. Uh, blue chip prospect in the state of Florida. That's one you got to go win, Will. You have you hope those connections. You hope bringing Corey Raymond in. You hope his coach being a former assistant under Billy Napier. You hope that Lakeland, that Polk County connection comes in. Uh, coming off a recent visit to Georgia uh, uh, as well, or if people were going to say there's a leader, it might be Georgia right now. I don't think there's really he's any clo- anywhere close uh, uh, to making a leader or, or making a decision uh, right now. So hopefully Florida uh, gets into that one as well. Then if to pair or to go, get other players, you go to the state of Alabama, Tony Mitchell from Alabaster, Alabama, another five-star, the 12th-ranked player in the country, second-ranked cornerback uh, right here. Alabama with the early lead, it seems, but Florida's really getting into this one. 6'2", 180-pound, can play multiple positions in the secondary. I've asked around, and it does seem like cornerback uh, for Florida right there, but uh, we've had that conversation on the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. Safety, cornerback. It does look like cornerback uh, there, but 24-7 sports says long reactionary defensive bat with fluid hips that transitions smoothly in and out of breaks, more of a smooth hip athlete than he is a quick twitch explosive. Appears to have a good short area quickness and change of direction ability. Plays multiple positions in the secondary, but appears most comfortable at the slot defender and as a deep safety, but does, you know, from everything I've asked going around, Looks like he will play corner, has the ability to play corner, uh, but we'll see uh, where that goes. He visited January 29th. Corey Raymond will certainly help Florida right here. Staying in the state of Alabama, A.J. Harris from Phoenix City, Alabama, four-star, 17th-ranked overall player in the country, the third-ranked cornerback. Florida's in for the top three cornerbacks right here in the country. A.J. Harris, 6'1", 180 pounds. Ideal size right there, uh, 24-7 sports says possesses explosive explosive lower half and ability to add additional weight to his frame. Displays good athletic ability in all three phases of the game. We'll see the majority of his snaps at the safety position, but exhibits some ability as a man defender at the corner position. Quick twitch explosive player, displays excellent short area quickness and change of direction ability. And then one more, we'll go back to Jacksonville, Jacksonville area. Sharif Denson, Bartram Terrell, four-star, 158th-ranked player, 18th-ranked cornerback there. Communications picking up for him, 5'11", 170, planning for a visit next month. He's talked with defensive coordinator Patrick Tony, But Will, interesting here, has not spoken with Corey Raymond. Uh, so we'll have to see where that goes or what needs to happen there. Uh, can play anywhere in the secondary over 32 career high school games, Denson has 121 tackles, including five for a loss, also two interceptions. His parents graduated from Florida. He is a fan, but he says that will not factor in his two factor in his decision. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's pretty obvious. You got to <laughs> win the battle for the five star guy out of Lakeland. Like he, you brought in Corey Raymond specifically as a defensive backs coach. He's got a reputation for bringing in these guys. He should literally be able to just put on tape of guys like Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams and say, hey, come be the next one of these guys. I know how to do that. And hey, it's right up the road as well. So, you know, McLean is the guy that I think 
from all the things we've thought about in terms of since this staff has been put together, all of sort of the, you know, hey, they're reaching back into Louisiana, they're reaching back into Texas, trying to sort of put together this transition class. Well, now you don't have to do that anymore. And now you can reach, you know, 100 miles from your campus and say, look, I'm the best defensive back coach in the country. I've done this with all these guys at LSU. I came to Florida specifically because I want to coach guys like you come to Florida. And so guys like guys like McLean, guys like Mitchell, and guys like Harris – you know, they should be, they obviously should be interested. And I, I hope, and I think it really is incumbent upon the staff to get two of those three guys. Um, whether or not Denson decides to come is probably a question of numbers, <laughs> to be honest. That's weird to say for guys ranked 158th overall in the country, <laughs> but considering you got guys ranked third, 12th, and 17th in front of him, um, you know, I don't know and, how and many the, guys. And the top three at the position. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know necessarily. It's weird to say the guy who's 158th may not be a take. And certainly, you know, I, I think I think now, they'll well, be able to well, find this. Yeah, and something that could play into this to to, to help there. You now you did hear saying those twenty four seven sports analysis projects that safety can play safety. Now they're listed at cornerback, but maybe you know. And like I said, I asked around, and most see Tony Mitchell at Florida as a cornerback. He said the coaching staff. I, I, I talked to Corey Raymond uh, or Corey. Uh, Bender behind the scenes, and he was telling me you know, it, it, it looks like cornerback from everything that he's told me. So, but you know, AJ Harris, maybe he eventually moves to safety. So, you know, maybe that plays into it somewhere down the road, and you somehow, you know, get, you know, three of these guys here. Maybe. I mean, I, I think, you know, it was interesting when Devin Moore signed um on early yeah. signing day like he he he's listed as a safety but Florida announced him as a corner and so the question is you know which one's he going to play you see that a lot at this position so it's a little bit difficult to sort of say with a lot of certainty in in many ways because these guys all have to do both right that unless uh, the definitions of safety and cornerback there's a reason why we call them defensive backs especially yeah. now more than ever the fact that the game is so passing dominated means that you got to have multiple skills to be out there otherwise if it's a you know if, a, if it's a running situation you can't have a guy out there if he can't tackle if he can't support the run those sorts of things even if he's a corner like the days of of you know, you have to be truly special. You have to be like Deion Sanders to be a guy who maybe shies away from contact a little bit and and still be put out there on the edge. Um, but the interesting thing is Florida didn't sign any corners unless, again, if you count more as a corner, I guess they did sign a corner, but I don't, I don't really count them as that. Um, and so the, the, the space is empty. And so there's an opportunity to bring in guys here and it's going to be Jason Marshall's third year, right? When these guys come in as true freshmen. So you think about what, what Florida is going to have on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. So you have, have guys like McLean and Mitchell coming in. You know, corners typically, especially at Florida, if you think about it, guys like Joe Hayden, guys like CJ Henderson, those guys have all made very, very early contributions to, to the Florida teams. And so, you know, having a true freshman isn't necessarily into the world, even if, you know, in fact, sometimes it's a good thing having a true freshman out there at corner, especially if you're going to play a bunch of man on man, which we're going to get to in a couple of weeks. But Patrick Tony's going to play a lot of man on man. So um, Jason Marshall on one side, these guys coming in on the other side, I think it's going to be exciting to see that level. But, you know, the reality is, is that they got to deliver here because Corey Raymond, his reputation is, is he's going to yep. bring in these high level guys. He's got the sales pitch. And so if the sales pitch doesn't work with a guy out of Lakeland, um, you know, I, I think that's concerning because, you know, at, at the, the, like this, everything is set up for Kamarni, Kormani McLean to be a Gator. And, and I expect that to happen, but you know, the rubber still has to meet the road, right? You got to get him a sign and you got to get him in, into Gainesville. 
Yeah, that's one you know the fan base is really pointing to. Like, hey, yeah, no, that, that that one has to happen for everything that you've done. Well, as you said, who you hired, where he's at, location, relationship, you got to go make that one happen uh, right there. So, all right, we'll wrap it up. Uh, went other right here, as I said, there weren't really many safeties to point to as far as top targets go, as strictly safeties. Uh, but safety Caleb Downs from the state of Georgia, six foot one eighty five. Uh, elite safety prospect there from Houston, Georgia. Hope I'm saying that right. Uh, but five-star, uh, 11th ranked overall player, number one safety in the country uh, right here. So, and then also athlete Samuel Mpimba. This was the guy I was just, I was looking at as far as athlete when I didn't really use the tight end position here. He fits the bill right here, 6'4", 230 pounds, mainly looking at tight end or edge rusher. Uh, there, but you know, we'll kind of see how the season plays out where he'll want to end up playing. Maybe if that plays a role, or just if he just wants to go to a certain school. So, uh, definitely need to learn more uh, about him as far as where he will play tight end or edge rusher. But he is the 14th ranked player in the country, number one athlete. He does play at IMG, but originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, there, so you, you, you factor that in as well. Maybe he'll want to go back to the Midwest, uh, but in the state of Florida right now. So, try and use that. He's visited Florida. Uh, there's interest in Florida, uh, but you know, hopefully uh, that that one plays plays out there if we can get into that one. But uh, there you go, two overall at their position players. Will yeah, I mean, you know, look, five star athletes. It doesn't really matter where they play, right? Yeah. Like those are the kinds of guys who could be difference makers out there on the field. You know, we just had a conversation about safeties, and obviously, if Downs decides to come to Gainesville, I think that makes your decision pretty easy about a guy like Mitchell, right? <laughs> you take the guy who's who's a five star safety, the number one safety overall, and hey, you know, we'll take this five star corner and we'll make sure that he plays corner. It's a nice problem to have. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Hasha actually not too far away from Gainesville, 377 miles. So we're not too yeah. far away. <laughs> we're not talking some giant, you know, some giant drive or anything like that. And really, um, you know, that that again is one of those things where if you can get into Georgia and start, you know, Florida's sort of been playing defense now for the past three or four years where, you know, we're just hoping that we're able to sort of keep people in the state. And it'll be kind of interesting to see whether Napier can start playing a little bit more offense, whether that circle that he drives that he draws around Gainesville is wide enough that he really starts bringing these guys from Georgia who are close to, to Gainesville into the, into the fold. And so a guy like Downs can actually be sort of an announcement of that perspective, right? That we're going to go get a guy who's an athlete in the state of Georgia, not too far away, but, you know, 377 miles, that's a pretty wide circle. And if he starts bringing in five-star recruits from three or 400 miles away, then we've really got something because that's getting into Georgia, getting into Alabama, and certainly wrapping up uh, and taking care of business in Florida as well. All right, guys, there's your look at the uh, some targets there for the 2023 class. As we have said, loaded, loaded in the state. Well, you had some uh, – uh, did you get to share the, the the actual stat that you had that you shared with how many players were in a certain distance and stuff? I'm not sure we ever really got to that. But no, we didn't, we didn't get to that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, good, it's a good way to wrap it up. So – if you so I ran you sent me 53 different players who were prospects and 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 I did an analysis of how far they actually are from Gainesville and so you sent me 53 players names and 28 of them are within 200 miles of Gainesville and it, counting the fact that they already have the commitment from uh, from Aaron Gates 
there are 24 guys then who are within 150 miles of Gainesville. So if he signs everybody who's within 150 mile circle of Gainesville, obviously that's not going to happen, but let's say, or let's just pretend 150 miles. That's the diameter around Gainesville. You have 25 players, three, five stars. So McLean, Bryant, and Keeley, it's seven top 100, five guys ranked 101 to 200, five ranked 201 to 300. There are three unranked players who will probably end up being ranked. The, you would end up with 297.4 points on 24-7's rankings. Historically, 298 is third and 292 is fourth. Um, a 93.2 average player rating, which would have been fourth best this year. And that doesn't include any of the IMG players who are like 160 miles away from Gainesville, who Florida has real shots at bringing in as well. So basically, if all he does is recruit people 150 miles of Gainesville, maybe extend it to 160 so you can get to get to Bradenton and get to the IMG guys. You're talking a top three class. So when I say the top three is an expectation and that's realistic and, and that's what you should do at Florida and all those sorts of things, like the state is loaded and it's loaded in the center of the state. It's not like you got to go down to Miami or go out to Tallahassee to get these guys. They're sitting there in Lakeland and Ocala and Kissimmee and Orlando and Jacksonville. Like All he's got to do is send out all of his assistants in a car and drive in each direction, and you will run into guys who can make Florida a top three, top two, top one, maybe even class, depending on how successful they are. So there's really no reason not to do that. I mean, I know people are like, well, we'd like to see progress. He was 16th this year. If it's top 10, I'll be okay. Like those sorts of things. No, this is your opportunity. The state is loaded and it's loaded right around Gainesville. And you start listing all of these players and just go, you know, you can, you can build a real high level recruiting class within a two hour drive of Gainesville. You got to do it. And so that, that's really what it comes down to is this bump class is going to be a referendum on Napier's ability to, to recruit with guys like Saban, recruit with guys like Smart. Because to be honest, Saban and Smart are going to have to come into Florida and pull some of these guys out in order to have a recruiting class as good as Napier could have just staying in the state. And, you know, I know you listed Georgia and you listed Alabama there and you listed Texas as states that are close in talent to Florida, but there was a significant drop off from Florida oh, yeah. to Georgia and from Florida to Alabama. So if Napier can protect his home turf, then Florida is going to end up with a top three class this year. And I think that's a realistic possibility. I think based on what we're hearing in terms of these five-star recruits who are coming in and coming on campus and being very impressed with what they've put together, I think the sort of projection of what they're going to do on the field. And, and you know, Bill's talked about this a lot where you can't negatively recruit against Napier because he just won the Sun Belt. <laughs> he just won the Sun Belt in, mm -hmm. in Louisiana. He's done nothing but win at, at Louisiana. And now he's coming in. And how do you negatively recruit against him when he's trying to build something in the state? You think about where Florida State is in terms of its recruiting, so you're not really mm -hmm. competing that badly with, with Tallahassee when it comes to these guys. And again, they're sort of – there's a few guys that we highlighted who are down in Miami. But yeah. the vast majority of this class is where you would typically expect Florida to be competing with Florida State. And based on what we've seen from Mike Norvell, I don't think we're really competing with Florida State. I think we're no. competing with the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. And so this is the opportunity. You have the opportunity to really announce that you're here and announce that you're going to be in that top tier of recruiting classes every year, year in, year out. And, you know, AM, Georgia, and Alabama, and maybe Ohio State were in that top tier this year. Florida needs to be there next year, and I think they have 
all of the money they've spent on the staff, they spent on the facilities, they spent on the head coach. They're building the relationships with the high school coaches, going to all these conferences and doing that sort of stuff. And the players are sitting right there. There's no reason it can't get done this year. Yeah, I think you know, the timing could just really work out, Will. You know, in in, in this bump class of what you have in the state, or like as you said, who you've hired, what you've spent, everything going on um, with you know, NIL is going to play a huge part in this. That's going to uh, go and, and play a huge part in this. Florida's getting set up well there uh, as well at the same time. So the, the timing of it, you know, for this type of class, and hopefully you 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 you've got the right coach and to take advantage of that. And hopefully it works both ways. You got the right coach in place to get the talent, and the talent's already there uh, to come play for a, a coach like Billy Napier uh, right there. And well, as you said, man, it's you know we, as far as timeline goes, we're going to know August, March. I mean uh, August. September, March is going to be a huge month. A lot of these guys are coming on campus in, in the next month or so. So March is going to go a long way uh, in creating these relationships. Hopefully uh, some commits right after that too is kind of going back to what we said is building early relationships, getting some of these guys in the class, letting class feed on each other. Stars want to play with stars. So whether you don't believe in the recruiting rankings or not, well, some of those players out there don't do. And that guy's ready to five star and is in the class and wants to play with some other stars. That can go a long way as well, uh, Will. So that's one reason I want to see some early commits. Get this class built. Stars want to play with stars. Go get it built. Go get it done. And there's really no better opportunity, no better timing to get it done. And the ever so important bump class we put out, because as you said, it's hard to negative recruit right now what Billy Napier has. And, and you, you, you can still sell hope a good bit if you're a good salesman you're a good recruiter out there there's a lot to sell in your first season your second recruiting class you still can sell a lot of hope at the same time so it's time to go be a salesman will and uh as we always say recruiters recruit <laughs> hey man napier has a history of being a salesman i think you know the even you know none of us wanted to make too much of the opening press conferences or the things that he's been talking about or that's you know but but he hasn't he hasn't stepped on a rake yet right like there hasn't been this thing where there's like a public gaffe he's he's made a point to make sure that he's emphasizing other people around he, you know around him he's made a point to talk to sort of undersell expectations when it came to the the transition recruiting class he's clearly talking about process which is something we all want to hear about so um, from the standpoint of of sort of his ability to build relationships and seem genuine and those sorts of things. It's all we ever heard is that Billy Napier is a very genuine person and that people are going to like that about him. Now he has an opportunity to prove it. Right. I mean, uh, he even said when he, when he first came in, he said, if I can't get 25 good players to come here to Gainesville, then uh, you guys are going to run me out of here. And, uh, (laughs) and he's not (laughs) wrong. Right. I mean, if, if recruiting struggles, then we're going to be critical. But as of right now, it sets up for him to really answer a lot of the questions. You know, it was interesting. The early or the, the national signing day was disappointing, not because, you know, guys went other places and, and, you know, Florida didn't necessarily sign the top tier guys. I mean, that was part of it, but the other part is, is that signing those top tier guys like Harold Perkins, like Trevante citizen would have answered some of these questions. It would have said on a really quick time frame, Billy Napier built these relationships, brought these guys to Gainesville and was able to close the deal. And I think that's what we're sort of looking for is here is that, you know, Florida, especially in the early stages of Dan Mullins era, I feel like Florida was in on a lot of these top guys, but they struggled to actually close the deal. I know you can say that about about Jim McElwain as well. And so it's time to close the deal. Napier, you know, 
it's okay to not do that in the transition class. You're not always going to be able to close everything there. You didn't have time to build the relationships, but now you have time to build the relationships. And so let's see you close it. Let's see you bring these guys to guys to Gainesville and, you know, let's see you sell that aspect of, Hey, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they're all going to be able to drive up and see you because they're an hour away. Like <laughs> come play in Gainesville and, and help us bring Florida those national championships. You remember um, that everybody talks about, and it, it is interesting. The sales pitch I'd have is why do you want to go to Alabama where winning is miserable? Like come here where the, where they're going to be a legend if you win. Cause here's the reality. The guys in this class, think about how, think about the reverence with which we speak of that 2008 Alabama recruiting class that just set the stage for all, all of what's come in Alabama before. Yeah. And we can talk about the receivers and Judy and, and Suggs and Ruggs and all those right. sorts of guys. We can talk about Tua. We can talk about Mac Jones. We can talk about all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the thing I remember about Alabama is that bump class where you've got guys like Mark Ingram, where you've got, you know, Courtney Upshaw, Dante Hightower, all those sorts of guys coming in in those first couple of years who sort of set the stage. And that's the opportunity here is to sell people, you know, you can be the Mark Ingram, you can be the Dante Hightower of Florida's resurgence because and and you'll be remembered in this place in a way that you'd never be remembered at Alabama. I got to be honest, if I was an 18-year-old five-star kid, I'd have an ego the size of Florida and that would be a sales no. pitch that I would buy all day long so let's see it let's close the deal and uh let's bring some of these guys to Gainesville man all right so there's your look there's our early look at the 2023 targets right there uh that Florida can be going after you know look no, I'm, there are people not listed on there that will end up in this class of course but that's an early look about a year away uh from from signing day right here so all right that'll do it from this episode of Gators Breakdown you can follow Will on his site, readingreaction.com, and on Twitter at WillMilesSCC. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.